The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of MyStressAlarm.com. In today's episode, I'm going to go over how to be a workaholic in three easy steps. Now, some of this will be a repeat of prior episodes, including 9 and 10, Beyond Chronic Stress Monitoring, just letting you know. But I felt it would be helpful to have an episode that gave an overview of the whole behavioral change process. So let me start by saying that I don't really like the word workaholic because it's just so negative. Uh, Sounds like a disease Uh, or at least a compulsive behavior that needs to be treated. And I don't think that quite captures what's really going on. If you work a lot, it's probably for a good reason, right? I mean, you don't just work for the sake of working. If that's the case, then, you know, maybe you should get checked out by a doctor. But no, you're motivated to achieve some goal or goals. And there's a certain amount of time that you feel you need to put in each week in order to have any decent chance of achieving said goals. And that's a function of how ambitious your goals are and what resources you have and your judgment insofar as how much progress you should be making each week. So perhaps you're motivated to a fault. But I don't see that as a disorder or something that needs treating per se. So then why do I use that word? Well, because it's the best single word I can think of to mean someone who works hard, who's ambitious. How to be a workhorse in three easy steps doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Uh, Same with uh, being type A, uh, an overachiever, which isn't quite the same anyway. So if you're working hard toward an ambitious goal, then you probably value stamina and endurance. But no matter how good your genes are, no matter how young you are or think you are, everyone has a limit. And the sooner you acknowledge that, the better. If you ignore it, you'll be sorry you did. And some motivational speakers actually preach that you should push yourself to the extreme. I talk about that in episode 13, uh, Motivational Extremism. It's not just a health issue because if you start having stress-related health issues, it'll slow you down and take your focus away from the very things that motivated you to work harder in the first place. It becomes this vicious cycle. So the first step to being a good workaholic is to monitor your chronic stress, your accumulated stress level. And the good news is that it's very easy and free. Just sign up at mystressalarm.com with an email and password. Each morning, just answer a couple multiple choice questions about your rest and sleep. And then enter up the three symptoms you had, if any, since your last update and were they mild, moderate, or severe. That's it. Shouldn't take more than a minute if you're slow. Now, based on that data, it measures and tracks your daily cumulative stress level. Over time, it'll also identify your threshold number, which is that stress level when you generally become symptomatic. And this way, each day going forward, once you have that number, you can see roughly, it's not an exact science, but roughly how close you are to triggering symptoms. And you can decide to either stay the course and accept the risk that day or reduce your workload somehow and or take other steps to reduce stress in order to stay under your threshold and avoid triggering symptoms. 
but you become more confident and timely in the decisions you make because they're now data-driven. You're now able to take calculated risks rather than just blindly plugging away at your working goals, having no idea when your next flare is going to be. So the elephant in the room is, well, what if you don't have any wiggle room in your schedule? Because if you're always hovering near or around your threshold number, then just monitoring that doesn't do much for you, right? I hear that from folks all the time, including some coaches. Now, I can go through why it's still helpful to do, even if you don't have much wiggle room in your schedule, and I'm sure I did in some previous episode, but the bottom line is that chronic stress monitoring is not meant to be a magic bullet or the be-all, end-all solution to a busy lifestyle. That's why there's steps two and three. The truth is that chronic stress monitoring is a reactive approach to stress management. And ultimately, we want to be in a position where we don't have to take as many risks with our health. But chronic stress monitoring is a very important first step because it creates a baseline, it makes you more aware, and it tells you when you absolutely need to slow down, how much and for how long, in order to avoid triggering symptoms. And that kind of information will act on and appreciate because it directly impacts productivity toward our goals. It leverages your intrinsic motivation, that natural never-ending drive to achieve your personal goals, and that's what makes it so effective. But it actually does more than that. Because it is daily journaling, albeit very minimal, and therefore increases your awareness, that leads to proactive habits, starting with using more discretion when planning your day. Because it becomes this sort of game where you don't want to see your stress scores go up, right? And you know that if you squeeze that extra thing in, whatever it is today, then in the morning, you might have to pick the next lowest stress assessment and your stress score is going to go up. And so you start thinking more proactively about the potential consequences of your decisions and about getting to bed earlier, um, but also mindfulness and perhaps working out and other proactive things, although you probably aren't going to do those things just yet, just being realistic here. But you're starting to think more proactively, and that's where step two comes in, which is assessing your sustainability. Two easy things you have to do in this step. First, keeping in mind that some goals are going to take many years to achieve. Think of the minimum amount of time that you would need to put in each week to make you feel like you have a fighting chance to achieve your goals, no matter how ambitious they may be. There is no right or wrong answer here. You have to be honest with yourself for this to work. Because again, we're using that intrinsic motivation, that natural never-ending drive to succeed to be the catalyst of change, the vehicle by which we change our lifestyles. Second, Think about how much time you're resting on average, including regular sleep. Again, honesty is the best policy here. You're only going to make things worse for yourself if you're not honest about how much rest you're actually getting. Based on your answers, you're going to fall into one of four categories. This is from the sustainability matrix, by the way. First is what I call coasting or coasting along, which is where you want to get to if you're not already there. This is where you're satisfied with the rate of progress you're making on your goals while getting a certain targeted amount of rest in each day, on average. So how much rest? Well, for simplicity's sake, I chose a target of 7 hours of sleep a night and 3 additional hours of rest during the day, for a total of 10 hours of rest per day. That's just a baseline I chose for the system. That's what I'm calling a balanced lifestyle. Now, you may disagree and think it should be something else, uh, or perhaps you just disagree with the split 
Maybe you think it should be six hours of sleep and four hours of additional rest or eight hours of sleep, and two hours of additional rest. Although the split is not as important as the total, it's important, just not as important as the total amount. But I tried to pick something that was fairly reasonable, but also fairly attainable for most folks. Now, if you're satisfied with the rate of progress you're making on your goals, but not getting the targeted amount of rest in each day, then you're in the squaring a circle category, which is where a lot of folks are at. You're squeezing more goal-related tasks into your schedule than you actually have time for. You're forcing it in and therefore not living a balanced lifestyle, which puts you at greater risk of reaching your threshold number, triggering health issues related to stress, and falling into the vicious cycle I was talking about. Now, one reason this could happen is if you happen to be working on a very consuming type of project, very involved, requires deep thought, and doesn't lend itself to a lot of what I call natural stopping points. For me, it's writing. If I have 10 thoughts in my head, I'm trying to get them down on paper or Word and make sure it flows well and everything, I'd rather just push through it now and get it done so I don't lose my train of thought. So the nature of the work that you're doing can certainly make it more difficult to pace yourself. However, if that's not the case, then you would need to think about what non-goal-related tasks you could do less of so that you can rest more and start coasting along. So moving along, the next category is overextended. If you're overextended, you're stretching yourself very thin. You probably feel like it's an uphill battle to fulfill all your responsibilities from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to sleep. You don't have the wherewithal to sustain this level of effort, and you're at higher risk of triggering health issues related to stress and falling into the vicious cycle. Not to mention, with each passing day, you're not making much progress on your goals, if any. Now, one reason you can be in this category is if you're putting everyone else's needs before your own, trying to be all things to all people. Now, I'm not one to lecture, but please think of yourself first. And I like using the example of flying on a plane. On every flight, if you notice, you're instructed to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. Now, to get the coasting along from here, my two cents is to not try to do everything you have to do to leap over to coasting along, but rather go through the last category first, chill mode. This way, you give yourself a much-needed break. Then after a while, you can start adding goal-related tasks into your schedule to get to coasting along. In chill mode, you're not working very much on your goals, but you are getting enough rest. To get to coasting along, you need to, again, think of some non-goal-related tasks that you could do less of so that you can work on your goals more. Um, because your resting is fine, so you don't want to mess with that. Unless you're resting so much that you could take on a bigger workload and still get the target amount of rest in. That's up to you, or you can do any combination thereof. So that's basically the four categories you can fall in and at a very high level what you would need to think about to get to coasting along if you're not already there. Do less of this, more of that. Which leads nicely into the third step, which is making a trade-off plan to get to coasting along. And this may sound like a big to-do, but the beautiful thing is it doesn't have to be because it really boils down to a few things. So I recommend when trying to decide a good trade-off to make, from a cost-benefit standpoint, there may be certain tasks that used to totally make sense to be part of your routine, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. But now maybe not so much, 
as circumstances do change over time, right? Of course, some things never change, like eating. You always have to make time to eat. But every once in a while, it doesn't hurt to take a step back and just think about the things you do every day, every week, every month, and so on. And hopefully, there's some low-hanging fruit there, something obvious that's no longer necessary to do or as often. And that leads me into another thing to consider, which is to think about lowering your standards a little. If you clean your home once a week, for example, maybe drop that back to every other week. But in general, you're looking for trade-offs that don't feel like sacrifices. Also, think about how you might be able to get things done more efficiently. If you can save just five minutes a day by doing things in a different order or by doing it more efficiently somehow, just five minutes a day, that's two and a half hours a month. I know it's not earth-shattering, but you're doing these things in combination, right? A little here, a little there, can really add up. And of course, you can outsource non-goal-related tasks to buy yourself more time, pay someone else to do it, right? That could be getting carry-out, using a grocery delivery service, handyman services, and so on. Now, some things it doesn't pay for someone else to do, like for me, I'll always mow my own lawn because it's like 10 times more expensive to hire someone else to do it, plus I need the exercise. But other things are a no-brainer. So that's it in a nutshell, um, how to be a workaholic in three easy steps. Really, how to be the most productive, healthy workaholic is more like it. And by the way, just for good measure, you should make sure that you have quote-unquote proper goals. Goals should not be dependent on uncontrollable circumstances or depend on pure luck. Calculated risks are fine, but you should have reasonable control of your ability to, to succeed. Also, hopefully you're not just trying to please others or attempting to meet someone else's standards. I'll quote a famous German psychiatrist uh, named Fritz Perls. I do my thing and you do your thing. I am not in this world to live up to your expectations and you are not in this world to live up to mine. You are you and I am I. And if by chance we find each other, it's beautiful. If not, it can't be helped. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening. If you have an autoimmune disorder, heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, depression, or something else you think is stress-related, please try MyStressAlarm.com today. It's free for a limited time. There's no wearables or sensors needed, and it takes just one minute a day if you're slow. That's MyStressAlarm.com. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, stress less to be your best.